Today, Donald Trump's possible indictment gets delayed. Ron DeSantis starts talking about a presidential run, and another doctor is penalized for not following the COVID narrative. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and the world will have to wait at least one more day to find out if President Trump is indicted as the grand jury was delayed today and told to be on standby for Thursday. Now, the reasons for the delay remain unclear, which makes one wonder, is Alvin Bragg getting cold feet? Did he think this abuse of prosecutorial authority would go unchecked somehow? Is he getting pressure from inside his office to stop the political games? Well, we don't know, but defense attorney Marina Medvin tweeted out, the NYC Trump grand jury is not meeting today. The prosecutor canceled the meeting. This could be for a variety of reasons. One, problem with the witness, or two, strategic delay of indictment for security or other considerations, or three, some logistical issue came up. Since grand juries indict ham sandwiches, I expect them to indict even if evidence is conflicting. So pro-Trump developments in the case aren't likely to be the reason, but not out of the question entirely. Now, the latest reporting states that this delay will push the indictment into next week at the earliest. So we'll see how that shakes out. But I want to shift here for a moment to the, the battle brewing between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And um, we're going to get into Ron DeSantis's comments in the Pierce Morgan interview preview that, of course, have been going all over the Internet. But before we do that, I, I want to make something very clear because I, I read your comments. You know, other people say, don't read the comments. I read your comments and I, I take them very seriously. I, I take your feedback very seriously. I have always and will always shoot you straight. I have always and will always respect your opinion, even if it differs from mine. But I got to say, you guys, I am extremely concerned about the tribalism I am already seeing within the conservative movement. The primaries have not even started, and it is there. I will lightly criticize Ron DeSantis on something, and half of you guys are upset. I will lightly criticize Donald Trump on something, and the other half of you are upset. I have dedicated, I want to make this clear, I have dedicated countless hours of my life writing, creating, and editing content in support and in defense of Donald Trump, including both of my shows earlier this week. He is unequivocally the greatest president of my lifetime, possibly ever, but I want to make clear. Saying something positive about the way Ron DeSantis has governed Florida does not diminish President Trump. Two things can be true at once. On the flip side... If I think Ron DeSantis should have come out stronger against the weaponization of the federal government against a former president whose endorsement, by the way, probably won him the governorship, I'm going to say that. It doesn't diminish the amazing job he has done as governor of Florida or the fact that he is a great leader. He's truly provided a blueprint for all conservative governors to follow if they have the balls. And if we focus on the in-party fighting, we are going to lose sight of the end goal, getting the radical leftist regime out of office. A healthy dialogue, just remember, is going to be necessary going into the primaries. Every person running for office should be willing to listen to constructive criticism because no one is perfect and they should all be searching for ways to improve. But at the end of the day, if Donald Trump is the nominee, you better believe come hell or high water, I will vote for him and I will be honored to do so. If Ron DeSantis is the nominee, I'm sure as hell not staying home. If Nikki Haley is it, I'll... I'll hold my nose, but I'll do it because at the end of the primary season, we all have to be united if we are going to defeat the administration who wants to steal more from you and call it taxation, who wants to kill unborn babies in the womb and sometimes after who want to chop off your children's genitals and force injections into your body. 
Please don't lose sight of that. The time to unite is now. We cannot be so focused on in-party fighting that we lose sight of the end goal. Uh, here to discuss this and more, I have Blaze TV contributor Eric July, also founder of Ripaverse Comics and chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program, Jason Buttrell, who shaved. Yeah. What gives? I do this. I did it with my head. Now I'm doing it with my face. Yeah, you just get you just get tired of a look, and you're just like, I know I'm shaving it all off. I'm starting, I'm starting over again. I'm starting to think it's like a weird mental problem now. I don't know, but well, I could have told you a long time. Ago <laughs> yeah. Mental problem. Um, so so I so I want to I want to I want to get into this Pierce Morgan interview, which but here 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 I go again criticizing uh, someone who you know uh, maybe differs from your opinion, but I'm gonna say it anyway because I'm gonna shoot you straight. I don't think it was a smart move for Ron DeSantis to go on with Pierce Morgan and talk about these things that we're about to talk about with Pierce Morgan specifically. I question why he chose chose Pierce Morgan to do this exclusive. It all just seems very weird to me. Um, but I want to play some of these clips that have been going through uh, social media here. So let's first uh, listen to Ron DeSantis Let's listen first to him telling Pierce Morgan that he thinks that he can beat President Biden in an election. Watch. You think, I think you could beat Biden? I think so. So you're running then? No, I didn't say that. I just said I think I could. I mean, I think that that's, I mean, if you look at Florida. Who would be harder to beat, Biden or Donald Trump? We're, I don't know. Those are two different. I mean, Seems weird to be like, yeah, I think I could. Well, I didn't say that I'm running, please. Uh, I also want to play, uh, Pierce was asking him, can you highlight the differences between you and Donald Trump? Again, I don't know why you're walking into this conversation with Pierce Morgan um, now, right now. Um, but let's, let's listen to Ron DeSantis answer the question of what he believes are the differences between him and uh, Donald Trump. Watch. People have been quite kind of scathing. They've said you're house trained Donald, your diet coke to his <laughs> full coke, right? You've heard all this stuff. What are the differences between you? Well, I know what I, I know him very well. I'm having now spent time with you. I, I could immediately identify a few differences, but what do you think of the differences? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the approach to COVID was different. I mean, you know, I would have fired somebody like Fauci. Uh, I think that he got way too big for his britches, and I think he did a lot of damage. Uh, I also think just in terms of my approach to leadership, you know, I get personnel in the government who have the agenda of the people and share our agenda. If you bring your own agenda in, you're gone. We're just not gonna have that. So the way we run the government, I think, is no daily drama, focus on the big picture and put points on the board. And I think that that's something that's very important. Now, uh, I wanna get, gentlemen, your take on um, this conversation. Um, I hesitate to go to the anarcho-capitalist first because I don't even, I don't even, he didn't even like voting. He didn't even do it. It's true. So. Oh, you're talking about him. I thought you were talking about me for a second. <laughs> Pick one. Close my eyes and spin. Um, so I, I'm interested to hear, I mean, both of your takes, but I'm interested to hear your take, Eric, because yeah. I feel like you're probably just like, I don't care. Well, yeah, I don't. But I can, but, well, not in, in a sense, like, I, let me say this. I can certainly see it through a lens where someone else that maybe. A Republican voter 
and in the sense that they get from something like that. I will agree with you that it is bizarre with a guy like like him to set up an exclusive. I don't know if it's somebody on his team that's kind of recommending that, hey, this is a guy that's on the other side of the aisle that's going to throw you these questions. Maybe it'll be good, um, certainly for you. Definitely, if it sounds like you're gearing up to uh, certainly uh, run. Now, the obviously as the anarcho-capitalist, um, I don't have as much issue with the with the with the Plex, especially considering that Donald Trump has for the most part, initiated a lot of the conflict between mm-hmm. the differences with him and Ron DeSantis. So my thing is, it's definitely in the game of politics. Like, I don't know why. And this is the bizarre thing that I've getting. I've got from a lot of people with the within the Republican Party that talk about this. It's like, why does Donald Trump get to tee off on him all the damn time? And then all of a sudden, when to me, that's a mild statement, by the way. He says something that's mild. All of a sudden, now there's a problem you're walking into. I, I kind of disagree with a lot of that approach. I'm like, dude, Donald Trump has been teeing off on this guy so uh, definitely as of recent, maybe because he does see him as a threat. And for DeSantis to say something like that, to me, that's mild. However, bringing this back in, 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 in the scope, I personally think that I hate this idea of him even running for president. Anyway, I think if you uh, I've made this point before, if you think that he's done such a such a decent job and he's sort of laid this sort of blueprint mm-hmm. for Republican governors, I think that he would be it would be far more conducive for him to be there uh, doing what he is if he's supposedly doing all these things that are pro-liberty in Florida, then that needs to be the geographic area that he's contained to. It doesn't seem like, I mean, it'd be a stretch that he would even lose like really anything considering the things that he has has done, at least in Florida. You could say you can criticize him for lack of action here and lack of action there. But if he does have the blueprint, why on earth do you want to take someone from the kind of more um, uh, decentralized kind of location to put him in a federal government where he's going to be sort of uh, uh, hindered? I'll end on this. One thing that he is correct, and this isn't me like being this big pro pro DeSantis thing. One thing he is correct, Donald Trump got the COVID stuff disastrously wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I've uh, I've made it abundantly clear. I don't get as much kickback as somebody like you would because uh, everybody knows where I'm at. It's not like I'm sitting on waving a Trump flag or anything. I was very, very critical of him. Fauci should have long been uh, certainly fired. And I will never forget how he came out actually against people that were reopening um, uh, uh, Donald Trump. That is publicly speaking against them doing exactly that. So he got that disastrously wrong. But to be fair, DeSantis got it wrong uh, initially a- as well. And it's and easy for him to come back and exactly say right now. Exactly. Well, I got it right. right. Well, you right. got it wrong. A, lot, right. a bunch of you got it wrong. You just switched quicker than everybody else, which if you want to give them credit, I don't like doing that. It's almost like when you have a person that's in a position of authority that uh, did something wrong initially, we give them credit for making the right position that they should have had already. We clapped for Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott, right? Oh, he's reopening. Like, wait a minute, why were we closed down in in, in the first place? So, you know, that's kind of my position on that. I, so, so to Eric's point on, on Trump, um, he has, I feel like a perfect opportunity to say, put it all on Fauci, right? Say they, they, they pushed me into this. They conned me too. I, you know, I thought that they were being truthful as well, but it turns out they were all in it for them and I was tricked, I was bamboozled and put it all on them. Operation Warp Speed, everything. That's the big one. But he, but, but he still to no, the state brags about it. it and that is, that's a big problem for me. Again, here I go, pissing off the other half of my audience. <laughs> but it only took you five minutes. I know, but it's like, but I, I, we should be able to have this dialogue without get, having people, you know, 
I don't know, get mad because they think that you're you're putting a point on the other person's team. I'm like, I feel like we're all on the same team. Yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like that way right now. It does. Well, sure. I, I'm sorry. I, we should be all on the same team. We can have a healthy dialogue and we can have a debate, but aren't we all in this to defeat the left? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't this isn't that the point? Yeah. yeah well, I, I think that. So I, I see both camps making mistakes. I don't know, and usually, we were talking about this off air, usually Ron DeSantis is so buttoned up, and, and his staff is so calculating. Mm-hmm. So they say, usually say and do the right things at the, at the perfect time, and it's worked out very well for him over the past year or so. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, with, with his statement on, uh, you know, regarding the, the you know, potential Trump arrest, that was, like, he said, like, half of what he said was great. He was putting everything on this radical Soros DA. That's great. Stop right there. He could have stopped, I mean... It wouldn't have been perfect, but if he would have stopped right there, he could have taken less criticism. Now, I think you're exactly right. It, it, he shouldn't have said, you know, this is a non-issue, you know, right. like, you know, political persecution. I'm focusing on real issues. Right. That was, that was a mistake. Yeah, that, that, that was a mistake. Right. And going on with Pierce Morgan, that's a mistake. Like, I, I don't understand why. This is just going to piss a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. But, but the Trump campaign's making a ton of mistakes, too. I mean, why are you needlessly starting this, like, juvenile fight with Ron DeSantis? You don't need to. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. I mean, I get and that, that. And that's why people are coming out and saying, well, Trump, to Eric's point, too, Trump started it. Yeah, he did. So how long do you expect Ron DeSantis to n- not say any, not jab him about Stormy uh, Daniels, not do any of that when Trump started it? I would have gone off a long time ago. <laughs> I would have not been able to show Look, Trump's taking some, like, I mean, I don't even know if you call him jabs. Like, he's throwing some, like, hooks at him. And like I said, I don't know if it's because... He's looking at it like if, if there's anybody that has a chance of beating me uh, when it comes to this primary, it's going to be him. So I need to make sure that I tear him, I, I chop him down uh, early. So maybe that's the, the line of thinking that it is that he he has. But still, like it is kind of a more needless, uh, needless fight. Let me say this, like in terms of a net gain, you're probably not going to get anything from it from just picking fights with, with DeSantis. I don't think that, that's going to work. Yeah, the, the only people that, I, that personally that I believe that they're convincing that Ron DeSantis is a rhino or a globalist or whatever ridiculous things they're saying about Ron DeSantis, which I don't believe any of those, um, the only people that I think are believing that are the people that are already in Trump's camp. Mm-hmm. So you really do not have to hurl these bombs. Donald Trump could like completely just run away with this. If he would say something along the lines of, look, I welcome Governor DeSantis in there. Uh, I welcome people like Vivek Ramaswamy in there because all this does is bring more ideas to the table. That's all it does. And then we'll have a discussion about it. We'll have a debate and you decide who can deliver these ideas better. That would be perfect. And we wouldn't have this discussion on why do we feel like we're not on the same team here. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it is Trump style. You know, he's not only going to attack, you know, the the opposition, the Democrat Party is going to attack people on his own side. It's just that's a style. Yeah, um, I, I want to end with uh, with this last clip here. So <laughs> we're talking about Trump style. Well, we all know that Trump's nickname for Ron DeSantis is Ron DeSanctimonious. And uh, he was asked about that. Here's that exchange. Watch. Which is your favorite nickname that Trump's given you so far? Is it Ron, Ron de Sanctimonious or Meatball Ron? <laughs> well, I can't... I think uh, even he went off Meatball Ron. I, but. I can't... Uh, I don't know how to spell de Sanctimonious. I don't really know what it means, but I, you know, I kind of like it's long. It's got a lot of vowels. I mean, so we go with that. That's fine. You know, you can, call me, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you, you know, also call me a winner, because that's what we've been able to do in Florida is put a lot of points on the board and, and, and really take the state to the next level. Guys... We're going to get through this primary process together, (laughs) all right? 
please. Um, okay, we've got to uh, we got to take a quick break here. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So if you buy gold uh, right now, you can get a free safe to store it in on qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group. This is now through March 31st, so don't sleep on this. They're going to ship a free safe directly to your door if you text the word Y to 989898. They're going to send you a free information kit on gold, and you can claim eligibility for that safe. Uh, the Fed keeps raising the rates. In fact, I think that just happened today, as a matter of fact. And um, here's the thing. They're not going to spend their way out of inflation. And the time to diversify into gold and silver was like a while ago. So if you still have not looked into it, you, I'm really I'm urging you to at least text the word Y to 989898. And you can either have this physical gold and put it in that free safe that you're going to claim, or you can uh, have it in a tax-sheltered, uh, you know, precious metals uh, savings account. So just make sure that you look at that. You don't want to just watch your retirement account just waste away. You can text the word Y to 989898. Remember, if you want to claim that free safe, you got to do it by March 31st on qualifying purchases. The word Y to 989898. The American Board of Family Medicine has stripped the certification of Florida Dr. John Littell. He is a U.S. Army veteran and a family physician, and uh, he had recently made headlines for, oh no, the dirty sin of using the I word to treat over 3,000 COVID-19 patients. So, Back in February, uh, Dr. Littell was kicked out of a Sarasota hospital board meeting when he testified on COVID protocols before the board. And here is some of that incident, and including him getting kicked out. Watch. She works in a nurse across the street at the other hospital, not mentioning any names. She went to the ER with COVID. They said, wait, come back, we're doing 90% oxygen saturation. She was admitted for her baby, C-section. I walk in there, she's blue as can be, no ultra sats, excuse me, sir. 72% pulse ox and nothing being done. I took ivermectin out of my pocket, I gave it to her. Now I got dozens of cases I can't share with you, but let me just tell you this. One more minute, sir. No, I drove two and a half hours here. Just let me say this. I'm going to tell you this, if you're going to be the best, be the first to admit wrongdoing in all humility and realize, just realize that these lives would have been, just think of all the patients' lives that would have been spared. And I was disciplined for giving ivermectin. I've been fined $500, I've been suspended two weeks, I've been on the very board of pain medicine, the Florida Department of Health in two hospitals. Thank you. What were the outcomes that we had? And we used an independent third party who basically said we had 24% better outcomes than our peer group. I'm not a contracted physician. I'm able to speak my mind. That's why I asked. And thank you for your advocacy for patients and doctors. Well, this is how it's done here. All right. All right. I want to welcome uh, to the program Dr. John Littell, author of The Hidden Truth Deception in Women's Healthcare. Doctor, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, I, I want to I want to ask you, I know I have the details here of what all this letter states, but I want to give you the floor to just explain what is happening to you right now. Well, what happened to me, and thank you for having me on the show, um, I always thank my patients for allowing me to let them wait a little bit longer. It's a very, very busy days in the office here in Florida. But most importantly, what happened to me is yesterday I got word from 
my attorney that the American Board of Family Medicine had especially decertified me as a board certified family physician on March 16th. Um, I received the letter yesterday. What that means is I've, I go through, all of us in medicine go through training after medical school for anywhere from three years and beyond. I went through three years of training in the military to be a family physician, which is a specialty under itself. I've been board certified since 1990. And the letter I received from them, which was seven pages long, said that because I've been spreading disinformation and endangering the public for questioning the safety of the vaccine, for um, calling it genetic engineering and other supposed misinformation, I was no longer suitable to be a family physician and take care of patients or teach medical students uh, or, or basically be a family doctor, which is what my passion and love has been for many years. So I'm looking at some of these, as you said, you said the letter was seven pages long. Yeah, yes. So the second letter. So I'm looking at these. So um, they mention your public channels. Now, you have a rumble channel that you um, that you go on and give your opinion as a doctor, correct? Yeah, I, I'm so low tech. It's crazy. I, I, what <laughs> I, I give talks. <laughs> I just give talks. People tape the talks I give. And then at one point in time when COVID happened, I said, hey, I, people said you got to get this stuff out there. So Almost unbeknownst to me, people would be taping these things. I did start doing my own. At one point, I said, I'm going to do my own videos on YouTube. They kept taking them down on YouTube. So I asked people in the know, and they said, go on Rumble. So right now, you can find them on Rumble. And that's where these folks, they went to Rumble to find some of the talks I'd given. And they, I got to give them credit. Uh, they went through every minute of every talk I've ever given in the last three years. Um, that says something about their persistence, if nothing else. It sure does. Um, another part of this uh, this letter that they gave you, it says um, that it says expectations for professional conduct of board certified physicians include the obligation to maintain and practice professional competence, including a commitment to lifelong learning and maintaining the necessary medical knowledge to provide quality patient care, demonstrating honesty with patients, demonstrating honesty with the public, maintaining appropriate relationships with patients and refraining from abusive or disruptive behavior in a healthcare environment. Um, I, I'm reading this doctor and what really sticks out to me is the, the gaslighting and their, the projection that is happening when they are accusing you of uh, maintaining and practicing professional, not maintaining and practicing professional competence, including a commitment to lifelong learning. Now, one would say that this board is the ones who are not committed to lifelong learning because as you experiment with a brand new genetically engineered virus, as we start looking at patients, I mean, isn't it on you as the person who is seeing the patients to say, hey, I'm noticing that this is working for my patients. Wouldn't that be exactly what they are accusing you of not doing? Yeah, this commitment to lifelong learning was thrown out the window by most of the academies in Florida, well, in this country, I should say, uh, years ago. I'm looking right now at my journals that I review daily, you know, the American Family Physician, the Journal of Medicine, the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, uh, Peter McCullough uh, published his article in the Journal of Cardio Cardiovascular Research, which no one bothered to read. No one bothered to read critically the studies which were inadequate that they tried to put out there about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and do a statistical analysis on them. I did as well as my peers. So this is of an attitude of learning. The other thing that happened is in the hospitals, they didn't allow doctors to even have a conversation or a dialogue about what was working for our patients. When I brought up how successful I was at keeping people out of the hospital, 
the chief of staff across the street from me here said, well, Dr. Littell, that's good advertising for your practice, but has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about. Mm. That is infuriating to me now as much as it was then. They would not entertain anything which would prevent people from ending up in the COVID units, in the hospitals, on ventilators, receiving remdesivir. So it was uh, certainly not I who could be faulted for not doing the research. I, I live each and every day as I teach medical students. There's not a single day that goes by where I'm not learning more how to be the best doctor for my patients while these other doctors are following scripts and protocols and acting like robots in the treatment, and they will not sway, they cannot be swayed, they will not uh, deviate from those protocols, regardless of the evidence that we can show them. And, and uh, you're absolutely right, but I guess my, my question to you is why? why? Why will they not listen? Why will they not have the dialogue? Is it incompetence? Are they just repeating what they've been told at the top, or is it something more sinister, do you think? I am, I've been accused of being pathologically naive by one clinical psychologist many years ago when I took a <laughs> Minnesota you know, MMPI test. And that's true. I've always really trusted people my whole life. And going into medicine, I wanted to think I could trust the doctors and nurses and the hospital administrators. And then, of course, the agencies like the, the boards of medicine and family practice. But what's happening here it makes no earthly sense that they would not have allowed us to have a dialogue. Why is it that they're saying to me when I have a conference and we bring in scientists like and physicians like Dr. Ryan Cole and Dr. Robert Malone, that we can't even discuss the mechanism of action of these of these drugs. I'm actually being they, one of the things they wrote in that letter was that the statement that Dr. Malone made about genetic engineering was misinformation. And I'm responsible for his misinformation, which it was not. But that is like basically saying you can't have a show on television mm. and bring guests on and you're and you're responsible for every comment they make um whether it's correct or not i there's got to be a a campaign going on to silence those of us who would question a narrative which is ultimately and i've written a book the hidden truth that came out just before covid in which i discussed the assault on fertility in the family in modern times the entire medical profession is is laser focused on destroying the family destroying the institutions of the father, the mother, children, fertility. I have seen it for 30 years in medicine, and I've been fighting it with, with every fiber of my being. I fight against that trend. And when I saw COVID vaccine being rolled out, and you look at the American College of OBGYN, which insists on making that one of their top three things, go, go to the ACOG website right now. The first three things you're going to see is make the chemical abortion available without the need to see a doctor. The second one, Abortion is essential health care. The third point, get a COVID vaccine in every pregnant woman and every child over the age of six mm -hmm. months. So if your doctors belong to ACOG, they're paying dues to that organization, which is destroying women, destroying families, destroying fertility. Now, for me to say that to you, that's enough to get me kicked out mm -hmm. of family medicine. Mm. Hey, Doc. Uh, my name is Jason Butchell. Um, I, I, what I saw specifically was just this all-out onslaught or assault on specifically treatments. Like, they didn't want to even discuss or entertain treatments. It was all just this big drive towards going towards the vaccine. Like, can you speculate on why they wouldn't even entertain talking about treatments or, you know, or, or, you know green lighting them? Was it all just part of, you know, you know this uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex just going straight towards a Moderna, or Moderna and Pfizer vaccine? Yeah, you know... Forbes magazine had a great article, great article about a year and a half ago on the instant billionaires because of the vaccine industry. 
half of them were in Asia and the other half in Europe and America. But yeah, no, I'm very good friends with a doctor who was in the Trump White House, who was right across the table from Janet Woodcock, then head of the FDA, and Tony Fauci. And they, as you all probably have done this research, know that they would not approve uh, use of hydroxychloroquine and certainly ivermectin. They had it already planned, I have no doubt, to roll out these vaccines. And then beyond the vaccines to roll out, Pfizer had a double whammy. We could, first, they got paid to produce the vaccines, our taxpayer money. Then they make money off of the vaccines. And then they produce this useless Paxlovid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to call Merck the most evil pharmaceutical company in America when I wrote my book because of the things they've done with women's health care. Pfizer now trumped them and in terms of what they have done to kind of utilize this manufactured virus. So it, it's I was never one to believe any of this stuff, guys. It took a son-in-law who I love dearly to convince me. Hey, he'd say, you know, Dr. Littell, this stuff, there, there's people planning this stuff. And um, I'm just a family doc, guys. Uh, but the fact that they're trying to take away my ability to care for my patients in the hospital as a family doctor and to teach medical students how to be good family doctors who really believe in the tenant first to do no harm and believe in the sanctity of the personal intimate relationship with their patient, the patient-physician relationship. That's all I try to get across each day, get them to not be robots. If I can't teach medical students, I lose hope for this country. I lose hope for myself. Who's going to take care of me when I can't, <laughs> when I get old? So, and my family. So I'm just praying that this, this nefarious mm. work by the American Board of Family Medicine is that we can get a good legal case against them and if it doesn't happen in the courts, it should happen in the court of public opinion at the minimum. Uh, I, Thanks to you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. So so then so tell us then um, let, let's end with this. The most important thing I think of this story is what can we do to help? What 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 do you need that we could possibly do other than getting this story out there? Well, I've got a, I, my phone's been exploding with people willing to do everything from GoFundMe's and, of course, mostly praying. And I, I'm a huge, obviously, I start each day in prayer and end each day in prayer. I know that this is a spiritual battle more than anything. There's no other way to explain these things happening. But uh, this weekend in Atlanta, there's going to be a legal uh, Congress uh, dealing with uh, the challenges with COVID. I'm going to fly up there for the day, even though I had other commitments here, just to see if we can put our heads together. And there's a great organization called the American Academy of Physicians and Surgeons, which is the anti-AMA, as you might say. Mm. They support independent practice of medicine. And they have a great legal counsel. Uh, so I'm going to try my best with the with the courts because we, we thought we had it. I thought we had it. And what happened is this viral video that you showed earlier triggered something at the American Board of Family Medicine in Lexington, Kentucky. They must have thought I was just way too dangerous to keep me around. And they're trying to get rid of me. And that if they know me, and they don't. They're not going to get rid of me. Well, uh, Doctor, I, we just appreciate your voice so much. We really, really need you to, uh, to, to keep at it because the truth is so important and that's exactly what you're spreading. So we appreciate you. I encourage everyone to, to follow you on your social media so we can keep up with you know, how we can help you if there's a GoFundMe that is started. Um, so guys, follow him. It is at John Littell, MD. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you. God bless you for all the work you do at The Blaze. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Um, All right. So when we come back, let's talk Xi Jinping partnering up with Vladimir Putin. What could go wrong? We'll be right back.
China's President Xi Jinping told uh, Vladimir Putin during their recent meeting earlier this week that change is coming. He said change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years and we are driving this change together. Uh, please take care, dear friend, um, which is, you know, I mean, I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone to hear Russia and China working together, but the changes coming thing was kind of the thing that maybe is setting off alarm bells for people in the West. Um, they talked about uh, a no limits friendship um, and uh, attempt to uh, the U.S. attempts to create a unipolar world controlled by Washington. And um, I'm just saying so I'm going to go, Jason, to your, you know, your foreign intelligence expert whatever you fancy name you want to call you, but uh, you know a lot about this. So it, was that, is that cause for concern? Does that, does that alarm you? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a tr it's a trend that, um, well, I mean, so they are correct in what we've created as a unipolar world, mm -hmm. which is basically, you know, the United States is the only superpower in the world. Um, we should not be uh, the only superpower in the world. I, I would argue that we shouldn't even be a superpower, period. Um, because that means that we have to get involved in basically everything and police the entire, you know, globe. Uh, but that's kind of what we were dealt with. We were handed right after the Cold War, after it ended, and we were left the only ones standing. Um, and you can even go back before that, you know, like World War I, World War II, you, you, you know. We've been on this road for a while. We shouldn't have been. Um, but we have built this, and it's both a military, you know, uh, presence, and it's also a financial presence. Um, the dollar dominates everything. Yep. I think that is pretty much what Xi Jinping is talking about right there. Um, they've been building this for a little while now, and I think the war in Ukraine and the West response to the world in Ukraine, when they pretty much just seized all their uh, mm -hmm. you know, foreign currency reserves and basically said your money doesn't exist anymore, was a big wake-up call to them. That accelerated what they're now trying to build, that change. And that changes, you know, it, it's, you're seeing it through the BRICS nations, the Brazil, you know, uh, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Um, you're seeing them build that actually right now, and it's it's more than just a military alliance. And I don't I don't put much stock in their military uh, capabilities, um, but they're trying to make the Chinese, uh, which will eventually be like a central bank digital currency, that would be the reserve currency. Um, then they could get around, like, say, SWIFT payments to where we can't lock them out of doing international payments anymore. They'll have their own system, and they'll have allies that they'll get, you know, will draw in, and China's economy will be a big draw for a lot of these nations to get off the American system and go onto the Chinese system. Now, I think that uh, polarity is a good thing, um, but I don't think that that's what they have in mind here. What they have in mind here is more like of what we currently have. Mm -hmm. They want to be in our position so that they can call all the shots. They can write international law. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's what the future looks like on this. Um, a lot of people were talking about like military alliances and things like that and close personal. I, I don't think that, I think a lot of that's overblown because mm -hmm. I think China and Russia have very different national interests mm. and those will, those will butt up against each other. We, we took advantage of that very easily um, when we split up the China and the Soviet Union and they ended up becoming rivals at that point. That, that's still there. We can still do that to them if we wanted to. But if they're dead set on creating this new financial order, then that's very, very doable. And yeah. I see that as a very real possibility. They're going to create, you know, you know, kind of how we talk about a parallel economy here in the United States, a parallel economy on the global stage. And that will mean changes for, you know, 
how life is here in the United States. Yeah. It will not always be how it is now. And you're starting to see the beginnings of that. Eric. Yeah, it, I don't put, as, 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 I guess, I don't know, maybe more too much optimism, but I'm not putting as much stake in the whole change itself being bad. Obviously, China and Russia are going to have their own kind of individual approach to how they feel like the world is supposed to sort of operate. I'd always assume definitely with this that they were all racing the coots with each other anyway. Um, so I'm not necessarily surprised that they would come out more formally and say that there's some, some level of uh, alliance there. But the interesting thing about the economics is obviously you're completely correct on everything it is that you're saying and, and how they have been kind of working their way up to being able to navigate and dominate, let's say, uh, like, like the America does in the economic sense. I think that's one thing that's historically frustrated China um, for sure, and they've not been able to best them, even even though right now America, as well as everywhere else, relies so much on on China uh, as it pertains to their economy, which is quite nonsensical when you actually look into it. Um, the fact that China basically provides, even in the manufacturing sector, for so many different countries, uh, not just with um, so much stuff is outsourced to to China, doesn't make sense. I know people always like to throw the cheap labor out there. It's a it's a logical when you consider the fact that well, sure they have X amount of people that are are there considering their population, but. They're not just doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the entire freaking world for the most part. That, that, that's, that's some economics that is lending people, more so these companies, their efforts are going there. And that's more th that would freak me out is, is that kind of perfect storm for, okay, if we're trying to make a push economically from the currency aspect, while also you guys being so heavily reliant upon us, it will make uh, allow them to kind of maybe make a ma major move. Though, to be fair and to be completely honest, China's got their own damn problems as well. They're on the house of cards as well, especially economically. It's not sustainable. It has not been at all. So that's why I'm not as freaking out, mm -hmm. certainly, about it. Though, when stuff like this comes up, I do tend to get frustrated. I don't know if, I can't remember if I talked about it on the show when I wanted to enter into the toy market with the Ripperverse stuff. And I'm looking at, I specifically went out of my way to try to find, uh, I started with American uh, manufacturing. And then I was like, okay, let's just say non-Chinese. Mm -hmm. Guys, mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. I know. It's I know. like not a thing. Like there are, to, to do it to the scale of something like a, a, a sculpt or a action figure, good luck. You may can get like a plushie done or something like that in the States, but to that level mm -hmm. of like detail or stuff, literally all of them are going to China. Mm -hmm. None of it makes sense. It's, it's why I haven't expanded my makeup line yet. Yeah. Because I've, I have found like the, the only place that's made in America that I can get a, a, a man, work with a manufacturer and I'm like not going to China everything else is made there yep. so we're we're just going to do it ourselves but that's a whole different story I we got to go do you have like 10 seconds or less no okay no do you know <laughs> me got to go to break we'll be right back this <laughs> <laughs> was During a White House event yesterday, uh, Joe Biden, mm, golly, he tried he tried so hard to read a poem and uh, failed and then had to go back and start over and then managed to make the same mistake that he had just made. Watch. An engineer, poet, Cuban-American, Richard Blanco, uh, 
return to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Barack and me. Oh, got a poem. A poem, one today. It says, and always one moon like a silent drum tapping at every rooftop and every window on every in, of every county. Countries. Let me start this over. Again. Okay. All right. Start over. Go ahead. I'm getting so intimidated by you being here. Are you? And always one moon, like a silent drum, tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, county, <laughs> all of us facing the stars. Hope, a new constellation, waiting for us to map it, waiting for us to name oh. it together. But that wasn't the only mistake he made. Um, this was uh, yesterday again. He was. Uh, he says he's proud to establish this uh, national monument. But he's so proud, in fact, that he can't actually pronounce it at all. Watch. First, I'm proud to use my authority under the Antiquities Act to establish the. And I, I want you to know it's a big deal. The <laughs> stalling. Havenikwa. May, I, I'm, I'm having trouble. Thank you. I got it. Ah, this is so embarrassing. He he looks half dead up there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Convince me that he's not. Well, he's like bumbling and, and stumbling over everything. I mean, we have a new one of these, certainly. Uh, every day, like I mean, imagine, man, that sounds terrible. A poem being read by Joe Biden, like imagine being <laughs> in the audience having to listen to that because there's no enthusiasm there, there's yeah. nothing there because he's just reading from the prompter and he's struggling like hell to get through <laughs> it, <laughs> get through it, and it's quite sad. And I, you know, I have to turn on like the the Americans because it's like y'all fools supported this guy. Mm-hmm. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> For what? For this. This is what we're getting. I, I don't I, like. Yeah. I mean, I can sit up here and rag on Biden all day long. But at the end of the day, there were a bunch of Americans that went and voted and they thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think my issues with them. Well, right. Because, I mean, to to your point, Eric, they like we saw this during the campaign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was bumbling back then. We saw it. Now it's gotten progressively worse. Yeah, for sure. But this was Joe Biden. It's always been Joe Biden. This is what. So this is what worries me about the next election. It really does. Because and, and let's say Trump wins the primary. He, Trump is such an ama- it's such an enigma to me because he is the only candidate I can think of that can pull record amounts of votes, get 70, what, 6 million people to vote for him, but get 80 million people, allegedly, to vote against him. Four to five. Right, I mean, it's, it's the craziest thing. It's almost, it, it would, it's almost like maybe that's not what happened. It's almost like that didn't that's, happen. That's not possible. But it's like, but you, but you still can't deny that so many people just hate him and they'll vote for yeah. a potato in chief. Right, right. Like he is, there's nothing going on up there. Everyone knows it, yeah. but they're like, ah, screw it. We're going to vote for him anyway. Yeah. Like what? I know. I know. It's wild. Um, also, I'm definitely convinced that he is wearing Depends at all times of the day. <laughs> we got to take a break. We'll be right back. I love the people who point out. Guys, if you have not yet gotten your uh, your your emails in, if you need any advice, life advice, dating advice, I'm here for you. 
It's called Dear Sarah, and we're doing it. And I've been reliably informed by you guys that I was like, I don't know what's going on, dear Abby. I don't know if she's dead. I don't know. She is dead, I've been oh, told. She is, she is no longer with us. Apparently, her daughter is uh, taking her place, but that's... You don't need to, don't do that, okay? Just ask us. We can give you life tips. Uh, you can do that by going to dearsarah at theblaze.com. I see J- Jason's wheels are turning. He's trying to figure out how he can troll me. I already see it. I'm composing the email in my mind. Yeah, so I already yeah. see it. And um, by the way, I ju- before we go, make sure to gently tap that like button, uh, subscribe, and comment to uh, help more people be able to see this video. And we will see you guys tomorrow. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.